and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action. Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar, and design your dream life today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. As you guys know, uh, we are all learning, growing, stepping outside our comfort zone. And a lot of us are working to grow businesses that we have never done before. And when we're stepping into the unknown, it is crucial that we create a culture of support for us and the new people that we're bringing into our organizations. And so my next guest is the king of small group mentoring. And I really think that this is important because as our companies or our teams get bigger, uh, we still mentor through small groups. And our next guest is the president of Radical Mentoring, which is an intentional small group mentoring process to help church pastors engage men, build a core of group leaders, and transform their churches. So he's speaking in a church setting, which I think we can all learn from. He is passionate about being a resource for leaders that have incorporated small group mentoring into their disciple-making strategy. He and his wife, Susan, live in Atlanta with their two sons, Big Dreamcast. Welcome to Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for having me, and you don't need to call me the king of anything, which <laughs> sounded probably a little too uh, too big of an of a uh, introduction. <laughs> well, you're going to teach us about something that we are super eager to learn. So, before we dive into what you're doing now, I'd love to hear a bit more about how you got here and why mentorship became important to you. Yeah, so I'll uh, rewind my story back to when I was a junior in high school. I um, lost my dad in a car accident. And at that point for me, I sort of became a person who began to live life in a way that tried to keep let everybody know I had it all together, which impacted my relationships and impacted you know the way I kind of viewed how transparent and vulnerable I could be because I just felt like if I let people know I was struggling, then I would 
create an image that I didn't want people to think of me in. And so fast forward all the way through kind of college and, and being getting married in year 2000, I'd been sort of carrying this burden of both being a believer and a follower of Jesus uh, in my head and my heart, but still struggling with how do I really understand what it's like to live an authentic Christian life where it was okay for me to, to let people know what was going well and what wasn't going well. And so in 2002, I met a, my mentor. I was introduced to, to him by a friend of mine and uh, joined what for him was his second ever small group mentoring kind of environment. And so I met him in 2002, thinking it was going to be all about business and networking and entrepreneurship. And it was going to be a chance to meet guys who who were like me, trying to kind of take off into the business world. And what I experienced was a man who had seen success, who had seen a lot of struggles, who was willing to share those struggles. And truly, the heart that God gave him was, how can I help these guys not make the same mistakes that I have made coming forward? And so I walked into an environment I wasn't expecting and met somebody who was just really willing to lean in and become not just a, a mentor, but a great friend and father figure to me. And so from there, I kept working and making some mistakes and bouncing around. And like a lot of us do, we sort of find a career path and try to make the best of it. And about six years ago, he said, you know, Kevin, I've got a crazy idea that I'd love for you to consider uh, joining Radical Mentoring and helping me figure out how I get this in the hands of more and more people. And that was, uh, now it's been five years uh, this year. So it's been a fun, it's been a life-changing uh, career path for me, for sure, many, many ways. I love that. Well, it's so true. When you have a space where you can be real and raw and still accepted so much, uh, like you can truly thrive, right? Because your walls are down and you're open to learning and open to hearing and open uh, to what's next. So tell me a bit about what makes this type of mentoring experience different than maybe a Bible study or another small group someone might have been in before? Yeah, a couple things. I think one of the real unique things about this environment, and by the way, um, we have a men's environment and a women's environment. So I will, by default, because we just launched this women's mentoring model, I will talk about men's, I'll say man and men's over and over again, but just know that I've got, you've got uh, both options and I'll tell you where they both are. But um, the thing that made this really unique for me was, uh, I was asked to commit to something. You know, I was asked to be at every meeting. Our, the rhythm of our model is you uh, meet once a month for three hours. It's a really intensive three-hour session. And then in between, you're given a book to read. You're given scripture to memorize. You're given some homework assignments that relate to your personal development or your marriage or, or you know other areas, and then you come back together in the next month and really debrief on all those on all those things. And so for me, one of the real unique things that happened, and one of the real unique things we we sort of talk about is don't commit to this if you can't be at every meeting. And you know, very rarely in life are we asked to have perfect attendance or asked to do homework or other things. And so by raising the bar, it does sort of uh, 
unintentional, well, unintentionally eliminate people who won't be able to reach that. So that is an incredibly different experience, which um, was unique to me when I started it. The other thing that I think makes this process really unique is we start with story. You know, we believe that if you can create space where men and women can be known and can feel safe sharing the worst of themselves and still be loved regardless of it, if we can create those kind of environments, then everything else that happens out of those groups uh, really sort of flows out of their identity. And so oftentimes, at least in my case, I could show up at a Bible study or a small group and answer most of the questions somebody asked me, and I could walk away with the impression being that Kevin had his stuff together and everything was okay. And in an environment like this, you just can't hide. And that was probably the most powerful thing that happened. So when you say story, what does that mean? Yeah, so story, you know, as, as I tell um, folks as I'm coaching pastors and, and mentors in this environment, we always ask the mentor to share their story first. And when I talk about the story with them, I tell them, don't, you know, you don't, don't share the Sunday school version of your story, which is what we're all used to in sort of church environments. It's sharing the nice, clean, picture perfect, Instagram worthy story. Um, but we tell them to really share the places where they stumbled along the way, where God redeemed them, where they continue to stumble and where God continues to show up. And so what happens is when the mentor shares that version of the story, then we have all the people that are being mentored. And in our cases, we, we have a kind of a four to eight mentee to mentor ratio. Then we create these overnight retreat environments where men can then share their own stories. And it really is a little bit of that same experience of, you know, I don't have it all together. Here's some mistakes I've made. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need help. And, and you just have somebody who's a little further down the road to look back on their own life and be able to speak some truth into the lives of those men and women who are coming behind the mentor. Awesome. I love that. Well, and I think you're right. Creating a space, a, a three-hour space, which means everybody gets a chance to talk. And I was a clinical psychologist turned entrepreneur. And I have learned through the years that as much uh, as training is powerful, I love to train. I love to teach. I love the stage. The deeper part of transformation is truly when someone gets to speak and they get to share and then they're validated for what they've experienced. And so to create an open space where people get to actually talk through their past, their future, their current situations, and then get feedback from people they trust is powerful. Now, you also say that the best mentors, because we're talking to to leaders in an industry where we mentor, that's what we do. And we do it Mm -hmm. in a small group way. And not all of us have a clinical psychology background. And so I'd love to talk to the mentor in the audience who's like, how do I get better? (laughs) How do I create this space for my team? So Uh, You often say that the best mentors aren't necessarily who we might think. So tell us a little bit about what would make a good mentor. Yeah, and you nailed it earlier that even from your psychology perspective, it is about getting others to contribute. And so what we often hear is, well, I'm not, you know, qualified to do this. I'm not worthy of doing this. And it really has nothing to do with how many books you've read or how much of the Bible you know or fill in the blanks. It's really the the best mentors speak from their life experience. And so the best mentors are those that are committed to the next generation. Oftentimes, you know, if you're mentoring, you're you're mentoring people that are a little bit behind you. So they've got to be committed to that. 
They have to be great facilitators, like you said. You know, nobody wants to come to a session and be talked to for three hours about everything that that mentor knows. The best mentors know how to draw out the person who is sitting on the sidelines. They know how to lean into the person who is probably contributing too much to the conversation and get that person to stop. They know how to ask great questions. Mentors are transparent and vulnerable. You know, there's a difference between being interviewed and having and facilitating a conversation. And I think sometimes in that interview environment, it's coming from a place of, let me get you to talk and a little bit put together. And these mentors that are transparent and vulnerable, in your case, about how they struggled as entrepreneurs to get their businesses going versus look at my business. It's great. It's always been this way. The mentors that are willing to sort of set that standard of transparency and vulnerability is huge. And they've got to be willing to hold others to the standard. And I think what what typically happens in our environments, if somebody calls me and says, well, Kevin, this isn't working out quite as well as I thought it was. One of the biggest issues is if I show up late to the first meeting or I show up unprepared to a meeting, we're sort of taught to go, oh, it's okay, Kevin, I understand life's busy and don't worry about it and everything will be fine and we'll, we'll catch you next time. That sort of lowers the bar so that the next month, two people will be late, two people won't be prepared. And so the best mentors are able to lean in and go, hey, you know what, Kevin, when you're not ready, you can't contribute to the conversation. And when you can't contribute to the conversation, the group misses out on you. So just be prepared next time or just be on time. And guess what happens? Everybody else gets the message and everybody else rises to it. And those are some of the qualities I think that make for great mentors. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Raising the bar and raising the expectation of what we need to have a good group is powerful because I think you can create a culture where there are no standards and people don't show up or they don't value the group or they don't value your time if you don't have those high standards. So we kind of have to have some guts to say, no, 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 no. You do. You can't just miss it. My time is valuable. Your time is valuable. You said yes. Like, let's do this thing. That's right. Now, do you ever process with people why it's the commitment has been tricky if they have not stood, like if they've not shown up for it? Or do you find that because you're so clear about the expectation that doesn't happen? We are really clear about it, but being really clear about it doesn't mean that it's not hard. Some of us aren't wired to challenge. And so for some of us, what we think is this, oh my goodness, I mean, I'm going to tell Denise never to be late to another meeting again. I can't do that. And the reality is the way that I would say that, which will probably feel really out of character for me, but will land with you in a way that just will go, oh, Kevin's just trying to be respectful of everybody else's time and just wants me there. You know, the expectation is not Marine drill sergeant, never be late, get on the ground, give me 50 push-ups, don't let this happen again. It's so like the velvet hammer is what I call it. You know, you're, you're, it's grace and truth. You know, you're sharing the message of, hey, this matters, be here on time, comma, and I love you anyway. And just, and the reason I want you here on time is not just because the clock dictates it, It's because you contribute to the group. And if you're not here, we miss out on you being here. And so it's that tension of grace and truth, kind of hammering them with a with a big soft hammer to let them know that you need them there, but you care. Yeah. Grace and truth. I love that balance of setting a clear expectation and then holding it. I do live events. Well, I did live events. Last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is as live as we get. Right I here. know. I know. And I was always told to start on time because if I wait for yeah. everybody to trickle in, 
then we will never start on time. And I was always told you start on time because if you start on time, people will know your events start on time and they need to get there on time, if not earlier. And I think, and there's nothing worse than when, right. You start on time and then three people show up late and then you stop talking to the people that were there on time and say, Oh, in, in the last five minutes, here's what we talked about. You know, we, we wanted to, again, it's that niceties we want to do. But yeah, you're right. Start we're on time. creating a culture and we're really teaching people how to treat us. And so if right. we allow lack of boundaries or we allow all these like, you know, then I think then again, that's just kind of what people get used to. So you also you talk it. about when we have these I expectations and people show up. Uh, that they need to be ready and we want to build an authentic right. community so people feel like they can trust, they can let their guard down and they can really start to grow. So what are some keys you have found to creating that authentic community? Yeah, it all starts honestly with that story environment. And so, you know, we we'll, we take people through a process. So if you were kind of to look at the radical mentoring or the known and worthy process, you'd notice it sort of starts with this vertical relationship and our connection to God first. And so if we don't understand grace and we don't understand who God is and how God sees us, if we don't get those sort of core things right, we won't get the horizontal relationships right. And so we sort of start with the flow of that process, but part of that flows out of that story. And so as we go through what, you know, what we would call topics or a track to run on, The reality is the books are important, but the books don't matter. If you created the right environment, the books and the homework and the scripture memory and some of the other things are really there just to help move that conversation forward out of where those mentees are in their life. You know, so many environments, we take content and we put it before the relationship and we create this environment where we're studying chapter one and I don't really care what's going on in your life. I just want to make sure we get through chapter one. What we're trying to do is say, we're going to talk about grace or we're going to talk about a healthy marriage or healthy workplace relationships. But we're not going to talk about it from the perspective of the book tells us. We're going to talk about it from where you are in life. And we'll dribble in some of the books that we talked about. Some of the homework assignments will provide the context by which we'll continue those conversations. So it's relationships above content. Ooh, I like that that idea of talking about what you just learned in the book, but really talking about how it connects with your life. Um, and so it. when people yeah, are we, going around, you're not just saying, what'd you learn from the book? You're saying, how can you implement what you learned from your book, from the book into you your it. life and make a shift or a change? Very cool. Exactly right. We tell people to do a one page net out summary. And it okay. really is all about, you know, don't give me a book report. Don't critique the author because most people haven't written books before. And we don't really need to critique an author if we've never been in that author's shoes. We want to pick books that are real practical in nature. We want to give them assignments around marriage or around their own spiritual development that are really practical in nature. We don't want them to get a, you know, they're going to come out of here with a degree in seminary. They're going to come out of here with understanding how to lead well, how to lead from a place of vulnerability, how to ask great questions, because this mentor who's a little further ahead from them is modeling to them what that looks like. Awesome. Awesome. Now it says here that you led a sales team uh, at Wells Real Estate Funds for a while as well. Were you in the process of being mentored while you led a sales team and how did that impact 
your job at that time? Yes, I, you know, I was. In fact, um, you know, I, I always I keep at home in my home office a note from our founder who he sent it to me when I got promoted from inside salesperson to sales manager. And so much of what I realized is as a manager, really, again, it's not about how much you know. It's about letting the people, your people know that you care for them, that you want to give them the freedom to make some mistakes, that you want them to own those mistakes. You want them to operate from a place of integrity. You want to, you know, I just learned all those things being mentored and understanding that I've got to ask great questions, understanding that somebody's poor sales report may have something to do with beyond what's happening in the office. It may have something that's going on at home. And how do I integrate those two things? Again, not to um, lower the standards. I think sometimes we think, well, if all you do is love and care for people, then you can't hold them accountable. My philosophy was always because I love and care for people, I'm able to hold them to a higher standard because they know that I value them much more than the numbers that are coming back on a sales report. And so I, I learned so much of that just by being in that authentic environment. Awesome. So how do you help implement this in churches today? You know, typically somebody will find us, um, either they're probably like you, Denise, if, if you are a mentor for one person, then there's probably lots of other people who call you a mentor. And so what we've typically found is that kind of a person quickly realizes over time that they become pretty ineffective if they're having coffee with 10 to dif- 10 different people all around town. And so they, if, if they find us, they're coming to us from a place of, you know what, I just want to maximize my time and get more people involved so I can share my story with more people than just sharing it a hundred times all around town. And so they're coming to us because they've got this problem of lack of time, but a huge desire to impact the next generation. If it's a church pastor or staff, they're going to come to us oftentimes from a place of our church is, is slowing down a little bit. And we know we've got older folks and not necessarily old in age, but folks a little bit further ahead that have a story to tell and a desire to give back. And we know we've got young folks in our congregation that are dying to be mentored. And we just feel like we've got to create a space for that to come together because the church knows that if it captures the heart of a man, oftentimes the family will come behind it. And it also, it it begins to sort of reshape the culture of discipleship inside the church by just putting people in these kind of authentic environments. And so men and women in those groups are oftentimes the next generation leaders in the church, but this is really not about leadership development. It's really just helping them establish um, rhythms and routine to be able to connect vertically with their heavenly father and connect authentically horizontally with others. And then leader development sort of comes out of it. So oftentimes those are the problems that we're trying to solve. And so they may find us through a podcast like this. Um, they may find us through social media and other places. And once they connect with us, then we give them the chance to set up a set up a free account. We give all of our resources away for free. So we want people to experience it first, and then we may ask them if they want to give back and support our ministry. But um, yeah, they can find us in, on, on the web, the World Wide Web. And I know your your women's of uh, women's group is knownandworthy.com. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Women's mentoring is knownandworthy.com. And the men's mentoring is um, radicalmentoring.com. Awesome. Awesome. And if you guys are interested in learning more about how you can join one of these groups, you can go to knownandworthy.com if you're a woman and radicalmentoring.com if you're a man. And uh, say that you found us from the Dreamcast 
uh, and they're you're going to send a book. Is that right? You got it. We'll send them a copy of Mentor Like Jesus, which really sort of outlines the process that um, our founders kind of came up with, stumbled upon the fact that he realized he was only doing what Jesus did. He wasn't he didn't create anything new and um, new and uber creative. Jesus has been doing it for a long time. Awesome. 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 Even in a small group with his 12 disciples, right? You got it. You got it. (laughs) You guys definitely check out the website. We'll be in the show notes below because the book Known Like Jesus uh, is really a, a mentorship experience. Like you will get to learn a bit more about what they do so you can be an effective mentor as you create your small groups within your organizations. Can they get this from Amazon? Yep. You can also put it on Amazon. Yep. Okay. Everywhere books are sold, as they say. All right. All right. All right. Well, tell me a story uh, as we end here today of somebody who stepped into an authentic relationship and you saw a great transformation because of the uh, space to be vulnerable and the space to grow. Now mentoring my fourth group, and I also, we also work with around 400 churches and, and we've seen almost thir- almost 14,000 men come through this process. And so we hear over and over again, a lot of great stories, but one that's always is personal to me is when one of your own mentees reaches back and calls you and the encouragement would be life change. You might not see life change happen immediately. It might be a little further down the road that, um, you've placed an anchor in that person's life. And so I've got a guy who's in my very first group who about a year ago, um, my phone rang out of the blue and he was having some, some issues with busyness of travel and the busyness of life and was just being challenged with some things inside of his marriage. And when he calls, you know, three years after the fact to say, Hey, Kevin, I'm in this struggle and you're the person I thought of that I knew I could be safe with and have created an environment where he knows if he calls me, it is a judgment-free zone that I want to be there to love, encourage him, and then hold him to um, whatever standard I think he, need, he needs to be held to or he knows he needs to be held to. And so when those those little moments happen where you've poured in, you know, our, your role as a mentor is to you, you take what Jesus has poured in your life and you pour it out. Your job is not to make sure the mentees catch everything. And you may not know what the mentees catch, but when your phone begins to ring after you've built up these relationships over time, it, it just it, it's such an incredible experience to know that God's used you to con- kind of continue to be a safe place for a group of men. I love that. I love that. It's true. Oftentimes we're planting seeds and it may be months or years before we really see the fruit of that. Um, I often say, if I can create a space for people to feel safe and loved and and a space where they can truly grow, um, then regardless of how long they're in my organization, I want them to leave better. And I think that as we really start to put people first and get to know them, ask them those tough questions, hold them to a higher standard, you are going to see amazing results, not just within those relationships, but within within your business as well, because people do business with people they like, know, and trust, and and know when they know that they're being held accountable for it, especially. (laughs) You got it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing your wisdom and your um, your your experience. Just with the power 
of being a good mentor and the power of being mentored. You guys, we do not need to do this life alone. Uh, You're not here by yourself. You're not an island in your business. Even though we all may be home in front of our phones or computers these days, you truly do have a team that surrounds you. So reach out. And if you need one, check out knownandworthy.com and at the very least, get the book Mentor Like Jesus. If you know of a church in your area or if your church needs some support in creating these mentorship groups, definitely reach out as well. So thank you so much, Kevin, for sharing your wisdom with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.